Thank you for checking out the City Church Podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Let me give you a little bit of history about Ellen. At 13 or 14, I'm not sure exactly of that year, but she started singing in the youth group here at the church in our worship team in our youth group. At 16, she started leading the youth worship team. And then at 16, she started singing in the main auditorium worship team on Sundays. In 2012, she, become, she became leader of the Sunday worship team. In 2013, she graduated from the University of Toronto with an honors bachelor's degree in linguistics and sociology. In 2015, she graduated from Teachers College with an honors bachelor's degree in professional studies in education. In 2015, she became a high school French teacher. But she told me this week that her heart was always in the church. Her heart was always wanting to work full-time in the church, but at that particular time, there was no job offer. In August of the next year, the worship team leader job came open. Pastor Brent approached her if she would like to take the job, and she said absolutely yes, and she didn't renew her contract with the teachers' union to teach French. Besides the responsibility of worship leader, she's responsible for graphic design, designer of special events. She programs everything that happens on Sunday morning from lighting to sound to worship team, making sure that the worship team arrives here on Sunday morning at seven o'clock for their first, for their second um, practice of the week and getting ready for Sunday, making sure that everybody's here on time. With all that talent and all that responsibility, we find that Ellen is a delightful young lady, and we're grateful that she's here on staff with us. So I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind standing and welcoming her this morning to the congregation, to the pulpit, as she ministers to you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very, very much. Thank you for those kind words, the warm welcome. You guys can take a seat. It's pretty cool. And then it's an honor to be with you this morning, um, just to speak and to share some thoughts with you. Uh, so my family and I, we started attending here when I was 10 years old. And I know that I look like I'm still in high school. I know I look like I'm, I don't know, maybe in grade 9. I'm actually freshly 27 years old, so that marks 17 years of our family attending here at the City Church. We absolutely love our church. We love everything that's happening here, and it's, it's, it's exciting for us as a family just to be a part of what God is doing here. Uh, but like Dr. Coulter said, when I was 13, I joined our youth worship team, and it's pretty cool that uh, years later, I still get to be a part of everything music and things creative here at our church. And God is doing something good and something cool right here in our church, right here in the heart of Mississauga. And it's just really exciting to be a small part of what God has um, planned for Mississauga in our area. Um, But I brought a little gift 
a little treat for you this morning to start off our time together. I actually brought a video of the first time I sang here um, on our stage at church. I'm 13, so you cannot judge me this morning, okay? Promise number one, you can't judge me. Uh, Let me give you some context. It was a youth event. Pastor Brent actually was our youth pastor at the time, and uh, he volunteered me, pretty much pushed me on the stage, to sing at a talent show. They got some footage, and so somehow it still exists today, and I wanted to share it with you. Are you guys good with that? Okay, here we go. You guys can go ahead and play it. I also just realized I I have the same haircut that I did in 2005. (laughs) Here's the worst part about that. Um, Our carpet, that was at the old building, and so we had carpet on the stage, and it was pink. And I decided to wear a pink um, jumpsuit from, like, head to toe. It was a tracksuit. And so it just looked like the stage was growing, like, mold or something all up on me. So that was when I was 13. Shortly after uh, that, I joined our youth team. And I just got uh, incredible opportunities to be trained in and invested in by some great pastors, some great leaders, and uh, who just really, you know, drew up my gifting and my own leadership. And I am forever thankful. I just want to give honor where it's due, forever thankful to the Coulter family and to our church just for taking a risk on me and for taking a risk on a little teenage girl. I honestly believe that I found place and purpose here at the church, and it's, it's a real um, treat for me just to be a part of what God is doing. But from this place, just over years of kind of growing and in our, on our worship team, I just wanted to speak to you from that place this morning, um, from a message I'm going to call Sunday Plus, and I just wanted to share some thoughts with you about worship and what it means to live a worship lifestyle how our worship and our faith really do work together hand in hand. And I'm just going to share um, three things that I know about it um, over the next couple of moments. Is that cool? Let me just pray with you this morning. Father God, I just thank you so much for another opportunity for us to gather together as a church family. Father, I thank you that right now we get to learn more about you. We get to learn from you, Father. And right now, Father, by your grace, by your spirit, I thank you that you would make up the gap between what I say and what you want um, each and every single heart, each and every single person to hear. Father, I thank you that you would speak loud into our lives. Father, we're listening. Our ears are open, our eyes are open, our hearts are open, Father, ready to receive from you. Jesus, above all else, we thank you so much that we no longer have pink carpet on our stage. We love you, we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen. All right, so Sunday plus. Most of us are introduced to the idea of worship um, from a service really similar to what we are experiencing right now on a Sunday morning. Maybe it was, you know, in a children's classroom or a youth service. Maybe it was at a conference or even a Sunday service just like this. But that's the first time where we experience or encounter this idea of worship. It's really the starting place of where we begin to understand what it feels like to be aware of God's presence. And there's something so special about all of us gathering together um, 
just to worship together. We felt it this morning. There, there's energy in the room. You can feel something's happening. You can feel God working. There's all this energy happening in the room. And so that brings me to my first point. In the words of the Beatles, come together, come together. I'm not, we're not going to sing the Beatles in church this morning. But it's important for us to get together as a community to worship God, as a group of people, as individuals that say, yes, you know what, me, I have decided to follow Jesus. Him, he's decided to follow Jesus. It's important for us to get together and say, not to us, not about us, but to him and worship God. And there's power in that. That's why in Hebrews, God says to us, don't give up meeting together. Never stop meeting together because he knew that there's power in our collective worship. There's power in the gathering. I've heard um, this gathering. So the gathering of people, whether it's the gathering happening in City Kids, the gathering happening upstairs in junior high or when you bring out your students to City Youth on Wednesday or the gathering right now, I've heard um, the gathering described as our faith multiplied, meaning my faith, your faith, her faith in the back, all of our faith intersecting with one another, being multiplied, and us being able to feel that off of each other. And that's what we feel so much on a Sunday, and that's why it's important, it's, it, it's powerful. God says that there's something there. It's because our faith is being multiplied off of one another. Um, so many times you will come up, people will come up to either myself or um, our team, and they will um, they'll compliment our team. They'll say, wow, this morning the set was unreal, or, you know, you're so talented, which we so appreciate the encouragement, by the way. But sometimes, some people will say, wow, you guys, you're even better than the recording artist, or you're better than the album. And like, thank you so much. Um, but it's not really about us being more or less talented than... Um, than a recording artist or an album, it's simply because we get to experience the heart of that song. We're experiencing our faith being multiplied with each other, and that's why it feels better than the recording artist, um, and it has nothing to do with talent. It has everything to do with what God is doing, and so it's important for us to remember this morning, don't downplay the importance of the gathering. Don't downplay the importance of bringing your students out to youth. Don't downplay because God is doing something special right here. Uh, but I would like to challenge our thinking this morning and say that I think that God wants our faith to exist outside and our worship to exist outside of just Sunday morning. Are there any math or science people in the house this morning? There's a hand that just went, Whoa. I'm going to put my hands way down because I'm not a math or science person. Um, but if you learn early on in elementary school that the product of any number multiplied by zero is zero. And so if the gathering is supposed to be faith multiplied, I'd like to think that God designed it, that something should exist before we gather together so that there is something to multiply. And so what if God calls us to worship him, yes, on Sundays, but plus additional time throughout the week. Don't just push off worship until Sunday. It's not, um, worship isn't what we do at the top of our service. It's not a time filler in hopes that you get here on time for the message. It's not something cool or catchy that we do that 
Maybe you wouldn't get bored and fall asleep on Sunday morning. Um, worship is so much more than that, and it's what connects our faith to God. I, I came across this definition many years ago, and it's something I've just kind of held on to, but it says worship is honor to God through utmost submission and extravagant love. I'll say it one more time. Worship is honor to God through utmost submission and extravagant love. And so it's us saying, okay, God, I honor you, not, not me, all to you. I love you and I honor you. I'm going to obey you. So worship is, yes, it is absolutely the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. But it's also us just spending time with him throughout the week. It's reading your Bible. It's praying. Um, it's listening to him. It's talking with him. It's obeying him. And God designed it that our whole lives would be in worship to him. Check out 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So all of it, all of what we do throughout the week is supposed to be in worship to God. Think about it this way. It's as if you have a one-hour commute to work every single day, five days out of the week, and you have keys and you have a car and the car is on your driveway, but yet you choose to walk to work four out of the five days. On the fifth day, you start your car and you go to work and you come back. Does your car work on the one day you take it to work? Yes. Um, is it being efficient on that day? Yes. And it's doing its job. It's doing what it's supposed to do. But I would question if you were being efficient and you're maximizing the design of that car. The truth is cars aren't meant to just be driven one day a week. And the same thing applies on Sunday. Our worship isn't meant to be just relegated to a Sunday morning. It's not relegated to 11 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. or however long our team goes. Uh, God wants us to worship him throughout the week. Will it work if you don't make time for him throughout the week? Well, can God show up just on a Sunday? Absolutely. God can change your life in just one service. But I like to think that God has designed it that we would worship him all the time throughout the week in all of the different areas of our life. Uh, we have the key to unlock something powerful, yet we come up with so many excuses why we won't do it. Maybe you feel, I'm too busy, the kids are too crazy, I'm too tired, I wanna go to the gym, but now I don't have time, it's too hard for me to get up early, I can't pray when she's yelling so loud, or there's all these things, and the truth is, the busyness of life is trying to tear us away from God. The enemy is just, we're so busy. It's trying to tear us away from God. And yet worship, when we decide to worship, read our Bibles, spend time with him, sing songs, it brings us back. It aligns us back to the heart of God. So this week, I just want to challenge you to really make worship a non-negotiable priority in your life. This brings me to my second point. It's important that we read and remember. We have to read the Word of God, and it's, it's really great, actually. Pastor Sherry preached last week about the importance of reading our Bibles, and I just want to challenge you. Read His Word. Read what He says to you, and remember it. So no matter what time, what, whatever you're facing, um, you, have, you know the promises. You know what He says. And so maybe this morning you were like me. You don't know where to start. This seems overwhelming at times. You don't even know what book has what promise and you're not sure where to start or maybe you don't know how to navigate it, uh, 
Here's a practical tip for you. This is what I did when I was younger. Just start in Psalms. It's a really great place. Read a Psalm a day. There's 150 of them. And just let God, whatever you're facing, let God's word do what it's going to do and speak into your life. And so this morning, um, I've just created some things that maybe we're facing, and I've put some scriptures together from the book of Psalms under them. And then I've also listed some worship songs that kind of go along with that theme if, if that's you, jot it down and take the time this week to read the full chapter. Let God speak to you through his word. Worship through those songs, all right? So maybe this morning you're brokenhearted and maybe you're just facing something that really just hurt you. You're sad. Maybe you're lonely or there's a broken relationship. Psalm 34 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 147 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Um, Be reminded this morning that yes, you might feel lonely, but God, he he says he's close. And you might feel like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to love or trust again. He's healing your heart. That's what his word says. And we have to read what his word says and remember the truth that he's speaking. Maybe this morning you need some strength. You feel burnt out. Maybe you're a mom in here and those kids are just driving you crazy or you feel like you can't do it. Maybe work is putting a lot of pressure on you. Psalm 55 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Psalm 18 says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. See, we don't have to do it on our own. God says that he's sustaining us, and we need to read and remember those things. This is a big one, fear. And this can apply to so many situations. Maybe you're scared for your children, and you're unsure of what's happening to them in school and all the pressures they have to face. Maybe you're scared uh, for a job, job security, or your finances, or your future. You're just not sure, and you feel paralyzed with fear. Uh, Read Psalm Psalm 46, this is actually from the Passion Translation. It says, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in times of trouble, more than enough, and always available whenever I need you, so we will never fear. Even if every structure of support were to crumble away, we will not fear even when the earthquakes and shakes will be moving mountains and casting them into the sea, for the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. Come on, if you're facing faith, fear this morning, you need to stir up some faith. Read the word of God and remember what he says. Right here it says he's with you, so there's nothing that you, that you can face um, that he won't be there with you. This is a good one. It kind of covers all situations. I kind of grew up with my parents praying and speaking this over me as I grew up. Uh, Check out Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I was through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me 
all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, man. Even as we're reading it now, there's just a peace that overtakes our heart simply because we're reminding ourselves of how big, how good, how faithful our God is. And that's what we need every single day. We need to get into our word, read and remember his promises no matter what situation we face. And I know that seems really basic at times. I grew up with my mom almost yelling Psalm 23 and Psalm 91 after me as I went to school. Though you walk through the shadow of the valley of death, you will, all the stuff. She used to do that to me. And it might seem basic, but it's important for us to come back to the basics and make sure that that foundation of our faith and of our worship throughout the week is really strong. Um, it's funny, I talk about my mom. Like I said, I'm 27 years old. I'm living at home, and I'm very thankful for parents that let me live at home uh, so I can hopefully save some money. I'm very grateful for them. Uh, but one of my favorite things to do right now is to confess some things that I, got, I did when I was a teenager. Because here's my, my thing. Like, if I'm telling you that I skipped class when I was, like, 15 years old, you can't ground me anymore for it, right? Like the statute of limitations is kind of up. So it's just been really funny uh, for me just to go over some life lessons with them, confess some things that I did when I was younger. The shock value on their face is priceless. Um, and just kind of re-going through all of these life lessons that they used to teach me. Uh, here's a life lesson that I was taught when I was growing up. This has nothing to do with my message, but my grandma used to say to me all the time, uh, whenever you go to the hospital, you should wear lipstick because you'll never know when you'll meet a cute doctor. Come on, someone! That is good life lessons, right? Um, <laughs> but there's something that my mom used to say to me all the time growing up. She used to say, uh, you're never riding a motorcycle. Any moms in the house want to back her up? Yeah, I know. Uh, so she used to say, I don't care. No daughter of mine will ever get on the back of a bike. I don't care how cute he is. I don't care how rich he is. I don't care how much he loves you. You're never getting on the back of a bike. And here I am, I'm a teenager, rolling my eyes. And then I, I think I was like late teens, early 20s. I'm in university, and my brother gets a bike. Okay? So I'm like, oh, I'm going to be able to go on a bike now. And then she says to me, oh, I don't care. I don't care that your brother thinks he's responsible enough. No daughter of mine will ever get on the back of a bike. I remember asking him all the time, can you please, like, just take me down a parking lot? I want to ride your bike. No, mom says I can't. Like, so mad. Anyways, there was this one time, I actually think we were coming home from church, and I had parked my car at his house, and I said, hey, I need you to drive me to your place. i got to pick up my car. He's like, sorry, I'll, I, uh... I'm looking at my mom right now, and she's shocked. She hasn't heard the story. I can't. <laughs> um, she, he, I was like, hey, I need you to drive me to your house. Um, he's like, I can't, Elle. I don't, I only have my bike. To which I said, well, you only have your bike. You're, you can't leave your little sister stranded here at church. So after some convincing, he finally, he's like, okay, uh, get on my bike. He gives me a helmet, and he says three things to me. He says, one, don't tell mom which I'm really sorry. Sorry, Mom. Two, <laughs> um, he said, you got to hold on tight. And he said, three, whenever we turn, you got to lean into the, the direction that we're turning. So if we're turning left, lean left. If we're turning right, 
I'm going to lean right, okay? To which he started the explanation of some science. Like I said, not a math or science person, but go ahead and show um, this picture, yeah. So he's explaining to me about the science, something about keeping your gravity centered, anchored, aligned in the middle of the bike. So if you're turning, you got to go left, okay? You got to keep yourself aligned in the center of the gravity of the bike. And so anyways, if you flip to the next picture, which was shown, I was more like this. Like I just, the science stuff kind of whizzed by me. I'm like, <laughs> go on a bike, don't really care. So hop on the back of the bike with him. And I remember I was so excited. I think I took my phone out. I was trying to take a selfie, felt really, really cool. And then uh, next thing I know, we started driving. And so here I am, I'm holding on to the back of him. And then, he's, then we get to a turn. I remember we were going right. We go right. And he starts leaning. And I just, it's scary, okay? And I'm just like bailed. I kind of just auto-corrected and I'm trying to see where we're going. And we thankfully cleared the turn. And in all of the noise on the bike, like the wind and through my helmet, I remember him like looking back at me and yelling at me like, do you want us to fall? I told you to lean. And he was like, if you die, mom's going to kill me and I'm going to die. So you got to lean on the next turn. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So sure enough, we come up to a left turn and I, he was like, you have to lean. So I just like, with everything I had, I just like grabbed on him. I, I remember I closed my eyes and I just like kind of let my body go. I think in my head it was more dramatic than it was. I felt like my hair was, you know, touching the floor and stuff like that. But I share that story with you uh, this morning because I think we have to approach it the same way with God. It's important that we lean in to who he is. Listen, we have to keep ourselves centered, anchored, align ourselves with him. And if he's telling us, hey, we got to lean left, you got to take all of who you are, hold on tight and lean left. Maybe you're scared of what's ahead of you and all of you just, you want to autocorrect. You want to do it yourself. You want to take care of it yourself. But God is saying, could you just trust me? Could you just remember what I said? And I'm going to tell you right now to lean in. And so with all that we have to do, we got to hold on tight and lean the direction that he's telling us to go in. That brings me to my third point. It's important that we lean in and get loud. Check out the scripture in Hebrews 16, actually. It says that we have this certain hope, like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat, which sits in the heavenly realm, and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. We have to lean in, align ourselves, and anchor ourselves with him. He's saying, I've gone before you. I have it taken care of. If you would just lean into me and trust me, it's all going to be okay. I think our worship team is coming up. Um, it's timely. So it's important that we lean in and get loud. Pastor Sherry last week, like I said, she talked about reading um, our Bibles and the importance of it. And I'm just going to read something she said. Um, she said, God wants to find amplification of his word through our voices. And so, yes, what we do here on a Sunday morning absolutely is important, and there's power in it. Our faith is multiplied. But we're going to steward our own faith. We're going to steward our own worship throughout the week by reading his word, remembering his goodness. But then God says, hey, don't stop there. I need you to lean in. I need you to trust me. And then I need you to get loud, start using your voice, and start speaking his word into every single situation that we face. 
He wants to find amplification of his word through our voices. Uh, check in Acts, there's a, a story about Paul and Silas, these two guys, um, they were wrongfully thrown in jail and they're in, they're in the situation and all they want is a way out. They need a way out, they want freedom. Um, there's no Wi-Fi. It's not, it's, you know, they're not in a good situation. And uh, I'll pick up the story in Acts 16, 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Come on, in the middle of their situation, they began to pray and sing hymns to God. They began to worship in the middle of their situation and their solution, their way out, their freedom was just on the other side of them using their voice. Two weeks ago, Pastor Morrow, he actually preached on um, the walls of Jericho in that story. You should listen to that message too. It was so good. But if you remember Joshua and his crew, they were um, promised a city. They were promised some land. And they get there and there's a huge wall around it and they feel like it's impossible to get it. So they pray and God gives them some instructions. And listen here, Joshua 6.20. Uh, They follow God's instructions, and as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and then the wall fell down, so that the people went up into the city, and they captured it. It is not enough that we would just read and remember, remember it, but it's important that we speak His Word into every single situation that we face. We have to use our own voices, amplify our own voices, and speak His Word into everything that we face. Check this um, article out. I was reading uh, the news. This is about a month ago. This is when World Cup was happening. World Cup 2018. Mexico fans may have caused earthquake celebrating win over Germany. Come on, if a bunch of soccer fans can yell so loud that the earth would shake and that the ground would begin to move, I wonder what would happen if a bunch of people who know who their father is, a bunch of Christians, a bunch of people that says, you know what, I've decided to follow Jesus. I know who my father is and I know how powerful he is. I wonder what would happen in every single one of our situations if we would choose to use our voices and use worship as a first response to anything that we face. Listen, this morning, whatever you need, there is a promise for it in this, in this book right here. God's already promised us things. And so it's important. He's made a way for us. That scripture I read in Hebrews earlier says that Jesus is our forerunner. He's gone before us. And so all we need to do is trust him, lean into him, and begin to use our voice and speak faith. So this morning, our team, they're going to lead us into some worship. Um, But before they do, would you just stand up with me quickly? I'm actually going to pray Psalm 91 over us as a church. So I'm going to pray Psalm 91 over us, and then our team is going to lead us into some worship. And I just want to encourage you to lean in, to get loud, to trust Him, uh, and step out in faith this morning and and watch what God's going to do. Let me um, pray Psalm 91 and read it over us this morning. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Jesus, this morning, we just love you and we honor you. We thank you that we can find refuge in you. We thank you that you're a God that we can trust. Jesus, I thank you that um, we're safe with you, Father, and we just lift you up right now. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Father, right now, I just thank you so much for your protection over every single one of our lives. Father, if we're facing any sickness or disease, Father, I thank you that right here in your word, you say that it wouldn't harm us. And so, Father, I thank you that bodies are beginning to be healed right now, that bodies are being restored right now, Father. And we just trust you because we know that you are the great healer. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Father, right now, I thank you for every single house, every single household represented here in this room. Father, I thank you that you're just protecting us, that you're keeping households safe. Father, children that are far away from you, Father, I thank you that they're returning back to you right now because you're a good and faithful God. Because he loves me. This is God's words right to us. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he knows my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Father, this morning, we say that we love you. We say that we trust you. And Father, I thank you that right now you're rescuing us from any situation we find ourselves in. Your protection is upon us. Father, we call on you. I thank you that you hear every single prayer going up to you right now, Father. I thank you that you see every single need, every single heart, and that because of your faithfulness, because of your goodness, you're meeting us right here, right where we are. You're meeting every single need. Father, I thank you for long life, that every single life here is marked with long years, Father. Um, And I just thank you that we would begin to experience your goodness in our lives. Father, right now we worship you. We thank you for all of your promises, Father. We stand on your word. We know that you're good, Father. We know that you're faithful. Right now, Father, any mountain that we're facing, anything Anything that seems impossible, anything that seems big, Father, I thank you that you've made a way out. We trust you. We lean into you. You're so good, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.